0: What a privilege it is to be back in this camp meeting Uh, one of the highlights of my year is to either be here or watch it on uh, on uh, line but it is such a privilege and i thank you brother tony for inviting me to come back again and be a part of this wonderful wonderful experience i think the alexanders uh when they heard i was coming they said we don't have anything scheduled uh, we'll go and we'll all share driving. It's a little distance from Greenville, Tennessee. So we've had a good trip up. I've known them for, I'm not going to tell how long. But anyway, the songs you heard them sing, Greg wrote. Uh, he writes about all of the stuff they sing. And as Brother uh, Tony pointed out, the theological significance of the songs and how it's truth. Everything he writes, he writes with those Uh, thoughts in mind and i thank god for that i want to share with you a thought this morning that i've been in uh, numerous camp meetings this summer and for some reason every place i've gone the lord has led me to preach along these lines and i was praying about it and i I said lord you know uh, i i would love to come up with something brand new or Maybe something else I've preached, uh, but he keeps bringing me back to this. And He, he told me one day in prayer, he, and, and he just impressed upon me that this is probably the second uh, most important subject in the church today, and not that this is a great sermon about that subject, but the subject matter. Now you say, if this is the second, what's the first? Well, the first is salvation. I mean, that's the first great experience of salvation. That's the greatest sermon we can preach. When we preach and see people saved and see people come into the kingdom. But then the second thing that has to happen in people's lives is the great experience of living a holy life. You see, we, we can't really be effective unless we live a holy life. Now, there's a, a lot of people that talk about different ways and experiences and so forth and so on. But I'm talking about living a holy life. I'm talking about doing what the Bible says. The title of what I want to share with you today is A Holy Church for an Unholy World. A Holy Church for an Unholy World. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now in that there are two great assumptions. The first assumption is the church is holy. The second assumption is the world is unholy. We're gonna look at those two assumptions before we get into some other things, and we're gonna look at them the first one first, the second one first, that the world is unholy. How can we take that assumption and move it into a certainty. How can we take that as something that we think might be true into a fact, something that we can stand on and know this is the truth. This is a certainty. Well, I don't think I have to say a whole lot to prove to you that the world is unholy, do I? I mean, I don't think we'd have to go very far to recognize the church is unholy or the world is unholy. I mean, my wife and I were talking the other day, and I said, You know, I think I've been asleep and woke up in a different world. Uh, uh, The country, the world that I live in today is so much different than it was just 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I mean, there are things going on today that blow my mind. I mean, all of these things about transgenders and sex changes and and kindergarten kids deciding which sex they want to be. Folks, God decided that already. We don't have any choice in it. And then in the town that I live in, Greenville, Tennessee, which is not a great big town and it's not uh, in California someplace or anything else, in Greenville, Tennessee there are kids going to school dressed in cat uniforms and they say they identify as cats and they are, are Are uh, getting to the school board and asking the school board if they can have litter boxes put in the school. And one boy got expelled from school because he accidentally stepped on one of the tails of one of these uniforms or costumes. Can you imagine that? If that had been my son that got expelled for that, I would probably end up in jail. I would have to go complain to somebody. I would have to take it to the highest authority that I could possibly take it to. I mean, that is absolutely asinine to think that we could come to that position. And then all of this wokeness. <laughs> all of this wokeness. My goodness gracious, can we agree that the world is unholy? Amen. Amen. Assumption number one, the church is holy. Now I want to ask you a question. If you go into the church world today, church world, you notice I said church world. Maybe I should say religious world would probably be a better phrase. If you go into the religious world today, can you use the same formula to prove that the church is holy? Can you take your eyes, your ears, your senses, and go into the religious world and say, I mean, if you knew nothing about the church, if you knew nothing about various uh, branches of quote-unquote Christianity, if you just looked at the religious world, the church world, all the people that call themselves the church, if you look at all of that, can you say the church is holy? You see, there's a problem. The first problem is We have to define what the church is If we're going to make this assumption We have to define what the church is And our brother already helped us in some of that And our song helped us with some of that Folks, I'm not talking about a building I'm not talking about a denomination I'm not talking about a movement I'm not talking about a certain uh, place that you can go Folks, it Is God's church. And there's only one way to get into that church, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the church of the living God. And that's the only way we can recognize and make this statement a certainty is to say it's God's church. Now then, let's think about that for a moment. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 27 says, And to present her to himself a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Those are not my words. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the Ephesian church and to us describing the church. The church of the living God. The church that we were born into when we were saved. The church that we sing about and rejoice about and the church that we talk about having seen the church. Have you seen her? Have you seen the church? I want to tell you, once you do, you'll be ruined for anything else. Once say, Like when I met my wife. I mean, I was at youth camp. Both of us were counselors at a youth camp. And I saw her at a distance. And I, my heart went pity pat. I mean, she was the most lovely, gorgeous individual that i ever seen. And I wanted to sit with her in church. But I couldn't bring myself up asking her. So I watched her go into church, and I set three pews back. And I watched the back of her head all through church. (laughs) Now, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I cannot tell you what the preacher preached that (laughs) night. I don't know the songs they sang. I don't know what they did, but I can tell you what the back of her head looked like. Well, after the service, there was a group of us. They had a gazebo-type thing there, and they had swings around it. And after service, there were some young people over there. I I was about, I don't know, 20 years old at this time, 19 or 20. And uh, I saw her in this group. So I went to join that group. And they were all, eventually, they went and sat in the swings. I knocked down three people to get to sit beside her in the swing. And we sat there and finally I got up enough courage to talk to her a little bit. And we talked. And we talked a little more. And finally I said, uh, tomorrow night in church would it be okay if I sat with you? And you know what she said? Yes. (laughs) Holy moly. (laughs) And the more I got to know her, The more I fell in love with her, and the more I got to talk to her, the more I fell in love with her. And finally, she asked me to marry her. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I asked her to marry me. I, I had almost begged her. She didn't want to marry a preacher. See, I started preaching when I was 17, and I was already a preacher. And her dad was a preacher, and she said, I do not want to be married to a preacher. I, I will not be married to a preacher. I refuse to be married to a preacher. Well, the Holy Spirit had something else to say to her, too. But anyway, I remember our wedding day. I was standing up front. Her and her dad came in the back door and started down the aisle. I can see it now. I mean, she was the most beautiful creature I have ever seen in my life. She was dressed in white. Everything was perfect. Every hair was in place. The veil was in the right place. I mean, she was radiant. Now, her dad looked like he could kill me. (laughs) But I didn't look at him much. I watched her. And she walked up the aisle, and I thought, my goodness gracious, what a privilege and honor. Now, let me back up just a moment. If she had walked in that back door, and her hair would have been all messed up, and her veil would have been crooked, and she was limping in because she broke one of her heels off, and her face was all dirty, and her dress was all smudged, and she came walking down the aisle. What would I have thought? Can I ask you a question before we get any further in the sermon? What kind of bride are you? What kind of bride are you? What kind of bride am I? I mean, when God, when Jesus looks at His bride... What's he see? I think we can assume both assumptions are certainties. We can say that with with a fact. God's church is always going to be holy. God's true church, the bride of Christ, is always going to be holy. And the world is always going to be unholy. So, what's that leave us with? With certainty, listen carefully, there are only two positions. Right? Does God have a dirty bride? Huh? Does God have a messed up bride? We're talking about God's bride. We're talking about the bride of Christ here. We're talking about the church of the living God. So it leaves us with two positions, either holy or unholy. Now we talk a lot about two positions being saved or not saved. Sometimes we get a little uh, careless, I think, with the words we use and careless with the things we teach. I'd love to be a part of that group and really believe. No, I wouldn't because I think it could send you to hell. That group that believes once you get saved, you're always saved no matter what. I'm glad you cleared that up when you sang that song, brother. When I heard that line, I thought, hmm. I wish everybody would do that when they sing. That That was wonderful. That was a good opportunity to get a good message across. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. And and, and those people, they're always getting people. I I was involved recently with, with a group that were having a youth camp. And they said they had 60 kids saved in this youth camp. They only had 80 there. And one of them said, praise the Lord, that'll be 60. They'll automatically be in heaven. I said, do what? He said, well, they got saved. They'll always be saved. No matter what they do, no matter where they go, they'll always be God's children. I said, do you teach that? I said, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that people can go out and sin and do whatever they want and act any way they want and look like the world and act like the world and talk like the world? And God will say, oh, honey, it's all right. It's okay. You just live any way you want. No. It doesn't work that way, folks. You say, but wait a minute. What about those unholy Christians? Hmm. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? If you can have... and listen carefully. I think this is a good statement. I came up with this with the Holy Spirit. If you can have unholy Christians... Then you ought to be able to have holy non Christians or holy sinners. Right? Is that possible? Can a sinner be holy? Can a Christian be unholy? Mm. You see, it comes down to this, folks, and this is the reason I think this is one of the second most important message, topic that we can talk about in the church today. It's either holiness or nothing. I'm talking about the life we live. I'm not talking about a certain experience. I mean, you're you're going to go through a certain experience to get to this point. But I'm talking about the life we live after we have that experience. How are we living right now? What are we doing right now? What kind of bride am I right now? That is the question. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. We had better learn to pursue holiness with all of our hearts. I mean, just because we're saved, we shouldn't sit down and twiddle our thumbs and say everything's okay. If that were the case, when you got baptized, the the preacher would allow the Lord just to drown you. A few, no, I won't say that. (laughs) Folks, we have a responsibility. We have a life to live. Once we get saved, there there is something that we we have this life that we walk in. We have this light that we walk in. We have this Holy Spirit that fills us, and we have this Holy Spirit that guides us. By the way, when you say, Oh, it's impossible to live the holy life, it is not. Folks, I'm going to tell you, it was impossible for you to get saved on your own. Do you know that? It took the Holy Spirit and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and His blood to save you. And when Jesus went back to heaven, what did He say? I'm going to go back, but I'm going to send you another, the King James says, comforter. One translation says, counselor. Another translation says, helper. The Greek says, parakletos. I'm going to send you one just like me. I read a book recently called The Forgotten God, and it talked about the Holy Spirit. And how we are we we don't talk about, we don't preach about, we don't, we don't experience the Holy Spirit. Folks, he is as much of the Godhead as God the Father and Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ were here today and walked up here and started talking to us and say, I'm gonna go live with you. I'm gonna go be with you. I'm gonna go every place you go. Man, you'd say, what a great experience. I can have Jesus with me every place I go. But the Holy Spirit is here, folks. Amen. He's just as much a part of God as God the Father and God the Son. And He says, I will be with you. And not only with you, He said, I'll be in you. Whoa, Glory. I can have the Holy Spirit with me every place I go. Amen. You know what Jesus actually said when He said, I'm going to send you a helper, a comforter, a Paracletos." If you translate it out in the Greek fully, He said, I'm going to send you a helper that will come alongside of you and help you do what you cannot do by yourself. Those are shouting words, folks. I mean, just think about it. We can't even live the Christian life by ourselves. We couldn't even get saved by ourselves. We can't live the Christian life by ourselves. I was in the room this morning talking to Brother Greg, and I said, man, every time I go someplace to preach, I'm amazed. I mean, to think that God would use me. I mean, a hillbilly out of the hills of Kentucky. When He called me to preach, I, had a, 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 I stuttered. I was so introverted that I, I couldn't stand in front of people. I went to a youth meeting one time and they asked me to pray. I thought I was going to die. And shortly after that, God called me to Preach. How in the world? I thought, God, I've heard all of my life. You don't make mistakes, and now you made your first one. But do you know how I can do what I do? By His power. Man, I would never, ever, ever want to step up here trying to do this in my own strength and my own power. What's God have for you to do? What's God have for you to do that you say, no, that's impossible, I can't do that? Well, first of all, He wants us to live a holy life. A holy life. So let's turn our attention for a little while to the pursuit of holiness. And I'm going to get very practical here, okay? These are things that you will be able to understand. You won't go out of here and say, I don't understand a thing He said. The first thing is, and you need to write this down, take sin seriously and call sin, sin. You see, that's part of the problem today. We've reclassified sin. We've renamed sin. We call it by nice little names. Instead of killing a baby, we call it abortion. Sounds better, doesn't it? Kind of like, it sounds like appendectomy. It's still killing a baby. Instead of queer and homosexual, we call them an alternate lifestyle. Folks call sin, sin. I mean, we just need to recognize what sin is. If we don't recognize what sin is, then we might allow sin into our lives or sin into the church and not even realize it. We've got to call sin for what it is. And deal with it in that way. One of the problems in the world and even in the church world is we minimize sin. Look at what John said in 1 John 3 4 and 6. Everyone, hmm, how many is left out of that? Nobody? Hmm. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But if you know that He appeared so that He might take away our sins. And in Him is no sin. No one who lives in Him keeps on sinning. Some people must have marked that out of their Bible. No one who continues to sin has either seen Him or know Him. I didn't say that. John did. The second thing you have to do is search our own lives. Do not just recognize the sin in others or the sin in the world, but recognize if we have sin in our own. Now I know we teach holiness, we teach it's possible to live above sin, and I believe that. I believe the Holy Spirit can help us do that. But sometimes we don't. I mean, sometimes we sin. Now, we call it mistakes and we call it this and we call it that. But the Holy Spirit says, you shouldn't do that. We know it, don't we? We know when the Holy Spirit talks to us, don't we? We know when He says, you don't need to go there. You don't need to participate in that. If you stay and participate in that, what's it going to be? Sin, thank you. So we need to search our life. Again, Psalm 139, 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. And then we read in the New Testament that we're supposed to do the right thing. And if we don't do the right thing, what is it? Hmm. I believe you all already know this. You've been doing a good job, but Tony. If we confess our sins. no. now, there we get to a good question. If we find, by the searching of the Holy Spirit, that we have sin in our lives, even if we call it a little bitty, itty-bitty sin, which I don't know if there is any, How do you get rid of it? How do you deal with it? Do you shove it under the rug? If the preacher preaches on it, do you get mad at the preacher? Do you get upset if the Sunday school teacher mentions it? Do you try to hide it from your family? I mean, how do you deal when the Holy Spirit says, you don't need this in your life? Repent. That's the only way we can deal with sin is repent. I don't care if you've been saved 50 years. If you do something wrong or you don't do something right and the Holy Spirit convicts you of that, the only way to deal with it is forgiveness. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me and help me not to do that again. The third thing. Do what is right in the eyes of God and obey his word. Deuteronomy six eighteen: do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may be well with you and you may go in and out over the good land the Lord promised on the oath to your ancestors. You know what that good land is? The church. The church. Now, I know that's in the Old Testament, but that's symbolic. When they talked about that, that became symbolic of of the church. I mean, we know that we are spiritual Israel, right? And the promises God made in the New Testament are to spiritual Israel. We are the church. So we have to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord and obey His Word. Now, if you're going to do that, what are you going to have to do with this? What? What? Read it. Listen when the preacher preaches. Follow it. Don't just read it, but follow it. And don't just read it. I know I, I try to read the Bible through every year. I try to read it in different versions. Uh, but sometimes I have to stop. And then sometimes as a preacher, you know when you read you're looking for sermons, and sometimes I have to say, Lord, I don't, I don't want to just see how much I can read today. I don't want to see if I can read ten chapters today. I don't want to see if I can get a sermon today. I want to see what you have to say to me today. And sometimes I'm reading along in the Word, and it just feels like the Holy Spirit reaches up and grabs me by my collar and just drags me down into it and says, look at this! And I'll read that over again. And then sometimes I'll say, I'll read it over again. And all of a sudden the light goes on. And God says something to Charlie Heater through the Word of God. And I say, Thank you, Jesus. I don't close it up and say, not going to read that again. Not going to do that again, man. That's dangerous. When you read that, it shows you your places that you are wrong. I've used this illustration in various places, and some of you probably heard it, but. When I was pastoring in West Virginia, we built a building. I mean, we literally, the guys and ladies in the church, we literally built a building. We did 90% of the work. And I was in there one night sanding uh, where a wall had been, uh, you know, they plastered the wall and our drywalled the wall. And I was in there sanding, sanding. And my father-in-law, he kind of came to be the overseer of this job. And uh, it was night, and we had these just a few light bulbs hunting up, and I said, hey, I've got this wall done. He never said a word. He just went over and got this spotlight. And he went over and he took that spotlight and he put it down where the baseboard was eventually going to be, and that light shined up on that wall. You know what it showed? Cracks, bumps, dimples. He never said a word. He walked off. And I said, okay, I know. I've got to keep saying And sometimes the Holy Spirit takes the light of the Word of God. Sometimes it's in reading it. Sometimes it's in a preacher preaching. Sometimes it's in a good song. Sometimes it's in meditation, but the Holy Spirit will take the Word of God and He'll Put it down there and he'll shine it up across my life. And he'll say, now look at this. And I say, Lord, I see. I see now I've got some bumps I need to work on. I've got some blemishes. And I go back to working on my life with the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Do what's right in God's eye. And then... Poor is probably most the simple, simplest thing. Say no to sin. Amen. Say no to ungodliness. Say no to unrighteousness. You know, a few years ago they had that slogan, just say no when it's talking about drugs. Some of you remember that. You're old as I am. Uh, you won't admit it, will you? But anyway. But just think about it for a moment. How do you end up sinning? You say yes to the devil. I mean, the devil's one, the one that gets you to sin, right? I mean, he's the one that wants to get you to live an unholy life. He eventually wants you to backslide if, if, if he can get you to go that far. And that's how it starts. And we have to learn to say No. If you work at some place and the guys get together at lunch and they start telling dirty jokes, walk away. Go read your Bible. Do something. If you ladies go get your hair fixed and they start gossiping about everybody in the world, walk out. Do something. (laughs) I said doctor's office. I hope I'm not preaching too long. I got a stopwatch there, but I can't find it. Uh, I had that problem at Pastor's Fellowship, too. Uh, but anyway, I, uh, I, I was at a doctor's office, and, and it just so happened there was a couple women in there. And this woman sat there, and man, she complained about her church. I mean, she, she said, I don't like our new pastor. He preaches too long. I don't like the singing. I don't like the way the piano plays. And she said, the temperature in the building is always wrong. And she said... Uh, and she talked about dimming the lights, and she said they dimmed the lights, and she just went on and on and on and on and on. And then she said, By the way, we're having Friends Day at our church Sunday. Would you like to come? And I wanted to jump up and say, I'll be there. That's the kind of church I've been looking for. Every place I've pastored, I told people, tell them this is a great church and you have a great pastor even if you have to lie. <laughs> That's a joke. James says in James 4, 17, if anyone then knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And then the last thing, pursue And this might be a little more difficult. It's easy to understand, but it's more difficult to do. Pursue holiness over happiness. God didn't call us to be happy. He called us to be holy. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes living the holy life is not the happiest life. Now, it's joy. There's always joy in the Lord. I love that old song. But sometimes. I hate to use this word, but sometimes it's work to be a Christian. I mean, it's not always easy to read my Bible. Sometimes I have to just force myself. It's not always easy to go to church. When I get, get, some of you are my age, some of you, love, I mean, it, you know. I woke up the other morning and I'd been picking blackberries the day before and my knees were hurting and and my feet were hurting and and I woke up and I tried to get out of bed and nothing wanted to move and my right foot said, I think I moved first yesterday morning, it's your turn to move this morning. And uh, my left foot said, you're closer to the edge of the bed, you need to move. And uh, you know, not always easy is it? But God never called us to do what was easy. He called us to do what's right. And folks, we better determine to do what's right. If there's anything the church needs today, it's to live a holy life. And if there's anything the world needs today, it's to see a church living a holy life. The way some people live their Christianity, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to say, I'm a, I mean, there's no difference. They go to the same places, they use the same language, they have the same habits, they dress the same way. I want you to be a Christian. It'll change your life. Well, it not done much for you. Folks, the world needs to see a holy church because that's God's church. And the world needs to see God's church in action. And that's us. That's us. God called us to be holy, not happy. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives when we get to heaven. What's it say? In this present age. Hey, I'm from Kentucky and I can understand that. That means right now. My dad, he used to... (laughs) he would tell me something to do, and I was always a little slow to get to it, you know, for some reason. And he said, son, when I ask you to do something, I want you to do it now. Right now. He said, I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to watch another cartoon. I don't want you to do that. I want you to do it now. And you know what? He meant that. And God wants us to live a holy life now now striving for holiness is not popular the world says follow the crowd and I, I, I'm thrilled to see that young people this camp meeting it just thrills my heart to see young people participating getting the word of God the world minimizes sin the world mocks purity I have grandchildren, the oldest one is 21, the youngest one is 6, those older ones, uh, some of them live uh, in Oklahoma, Texas, Uh, there's three boys that live close to us, about a mile away, and one of them graduated high school two years ago, and one graduated last year. And they would tell me things about how people would laugh at them because, they wouldn't, in the locker room, they didn't use the language other kids used. They didn't talk about their experience on the weekend like other people talked about. And they got laughed at and they got mocked. Now, not very much because one of them was 6'4 and weighed 330 pounds. So <laughs> that helps, you know, but some of us aren't that way, you know. The world calls good evil and evil good. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. You can write this down. We must want holiness even more than we want life. If it takes our life to live holy, we'd better choose to live holy. If it takes our friends, we'd better choose to live holy. If people laugh at us, we'd better choose to live holy. I'm going to close with a little story I read about a, a furry little creature that lives in the north, and uh, it's kind of like a weasel, and, uh, but it changes colors in the wintertime. It, it gets white, it gets snow white in the wintertime. And this white fur is, is very, very sought after, very expensive. And they had trouble trapping these little creatures, and finally they learned how to do it. They would go find its home, its hole, wherever it had a place to live in, and they would smear dirt and tire all around tar all around this hole. And they would find these little creatures called ermines when they're white, and the dogs would chase them just like chasing a rabbit or whatever. And those little guys would run back to their hole. But when they got there and saw all that dirt and yuck around their hole, they wouldn't go in. Because they were so proud of their white fur that they wouldn't get it dirty. They would rather die as to go in that hole and get dirty. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. We need to come to the place where we'd rather die than we would to live unholy. We would give our lives to live a holy life. Now, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to use your mind now to imagine the Holy Spirit has a spotlight. He's shining it on your life. And you're going to ask Him. You're not going to wait for Him. You're going to ask Him, Holy Spirit, show me anything, anything that I'm not doing for you that I ought to be doing. Show me anything that I'm doing that I should not be doing. You know, the only thing God wants to hear from us is yes. Yes, Lord, I'll do your will. Yes, Lord, I'll stop doing that. Yes, Lord, I'll start doing that. The most dangerous thing we can do is say no to God. Are you going to say no to God today? Is there something you need to pray about? Is there something you need to turn over to God? Is God calling you to do something and you've said no, 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 and it's about time you said yes? If you're here today and you need to pray, here's what we're going to do. If you need to pray and you don't need anybody to pray with you, I want you to come to your right. You can either kneel or sit on the pews. Nobody will bother you. just be between you and God. Now, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, then you come to the left. If you come over there, somebody will come pray with you about your problem, your need whatever it is, would you stand as we sing? Would you respond to the Holy Spirit and do what He asks you
1: to do? Turn to page 250, please. Page 250. Are you...
2: Wasn't this a beautiful message this morning? You know what made it special? He preached the simplicity of the gospel. All us preachers are all trying to say, in one way or another, what he said in his outline. Do what's right. Say no to sin. And seek first the kingdom of God. And you'll find that happiness you're looking for. So simple. And we branch off a thousand different ways to say the same thing. And you can understand that. You don't want to eat the same food every day. So... We serve it in different ways, different styles. To try to make it palatable. This was a fabulous message. Absolutely fabulous. I think this was Charlie at his best. I've not heard him preach that much, but this was a great sermon. So ask yourself, Do a little soul searching. Be honest with your own soul. And what Chad said is right. The the only one. Jesus said, no man can pluck you out of my hands. They they get that all messed up. The the, The worst enemy you've got is the one you're looking at in the mirror. That's why nobody's ever going to say God sent me to hell. You are going to decide whether you want to go to hell or you don't want to go to hell. And this message was so so enjoyable, so uplifting, so polite and powerful. Are there any others besides these two that have come will sing another verse. If the Lord is showing you, if that light that's showing you all the bumps and the lumps and the spots, do something about it. You Want to live a life with no regrets? You don't want to look back and be sorry about how you lived? Seek first the kingdom of God. You'll never have regrets. And you won't have to reach you're on your deathbed, you'll be able to close your eyes and say, even so, Lord Jesus, come. One more verse. God bless you. If anyone needs to sing or pray, excuse me, and then sing, you come on down.